Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. This week, we review our win against the Knicks in Wollongong. We catch up with Mariners Academy head coach Nick Montgomery and we answer your questions. I'm Pete and I'm joined by Luke, Josh and Morrow. Lads, lads, lads. Try not to laugh. There's the croaky voice is back already. <laughs> what a start. <laughs> oh, we had a false start and Pete's voice is hilarious. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Uh, is that how many times? Yes. Yeah. Three in a row. Still struggling, Mr. Pryor. Oh, after mate. a big Sunday. Was it worth a big it? Sunday night. Absolutely yes. it was worth it. Of course. Oh my day. So worth it. I oh, nearly had to sit this episode out because my voice uh pretty much completely blew out after Sunday, but um very, very well worth it, lads. Winning pods are now the normal pods, yes. I feel. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I don't have to do it, but I'm going to anyway. Winning <laughs> pod, baby! <laughs> and that could be the end of my voice that, for that, this that's episode. It. That's gone. <laughs> I've been Pete Pryor. Thanks, You've guys. Been great. Thanks. See you next week. <laughs> Let's kick things off with Fred's question. Fred, uh, oh, it's a lot of positivity. Um, as good as we were on the pitch... What I saw in Wollongong in the stands was even better. Thank you to the Yellow Army for standing up and making it one of the most fun games I've been to in a while. Now more than ever, how important is it for us to have the crowd involved during games? Um, it was fun. Oh yeah. Wasn't it? Super fun. <laughs> yes. And as you can hear by the side effects uh, from Peter's voice, um, also took a toll apparently. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. Uh, but I, I think like it's, there's a lot we can go into here, but without going too crazy about it away days are generally more loose than home games is that probably fair to say i think that's a pretty fair Um, yes i think you get obviously you have all the fans uh in one area everybody's maybe got a little bit of liquid courage (laughs) uh, more so than home games um and there's i think there's there's this generally more of a let's get into it type sort of a feel rather than home games and I mean, home games have been a bit, a bit weird for the last four, five seasons anyway, because of, you know, ninety percent of what's going on the pitch hasn't been good, which naturally leads to a decline of people not wanting to put in as much of an effort, um, and that's obviously happened with everyone. Um, so, yeah, home games, I'd, it, it's not going to be instantly replicated at home games. It'll take longer for that to grow organically. I think a big thing of about the away games is, is as you say everyone sort of sits in the same location but you also get that that sense of real sort of camaraderie with, with everyone around you mm. um, makes everyone want to get up and get involved and because they are so close to the people who are I guess you know starting chants and kicking things off and getting things going um, they see how fun it is and it really sort of crystallises um, how much fun active support can actually be I think we've said it for the last number of years. Yeah, as soon as we come good, the crowd's going to get more involved because it's more exciting to watch us when we're actually winning on the pitch. And yep. that's going to get people more involved. And that's what we've seen so far this season. I think this is just the start, I think. The, it was it was great to see everyone down there in the gong. We were It was pretty much about 95% Mariners, which was great to see. It wasn't a surprise, obviously, with uh, Wellington being uh, a long way away from Wollongong. But I think it was it was great to see everyone and... Everyone had a good time and we got the three points in a pretty comfortable win. And I said it, I tweeted it out, but I'm going to say it here again. That's the first game in a long time where I felt like the win was in the bag pretty comfortably. 
Yeah, I think there's a bit of a range of, um, you know, extra uh, action that you sort of get. You get the part-timers uh, in who, like myself, don't turn up into Bay 16, sit up there and eat our prawn sandwiches in Bay 40 at home, um, want to get down there with my mates and chant and get involved. Um, but uh, want to also see the TV perspective when it's an away game, then uh, there's nothing better than being right in the centre of that atmosphere and um, joining you lot to get a bit of noise out there. That sort of then reflects with the, the next sort of um, groups of people who get involved because they're close by and they hear it and they want to have a laugh about it and they want to get involved in it a little bit. And the roof down there definitely, you know, helped get a bit of projection happening so that everybody could sort of get involved. And there's always some things that happen uh, in these places that are a little bit unusual and unexpected. We'll probably get touch on them a little bit more, but um, that, that caused certain chance to happen that um, were made up on the fly and that's always really good fun. Um, and uh, it's it's extra good when uh, we get a result like we got, and we can all you know enjoy that uh, away with the with the boys. So. The uh, days of the week chant making a comeback was uh, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Well done, Pete, and everyone else <laughs> that, that got involved in in that. And yeah. With really some suitable stuff. rewrites. And, yes. Uh, yeah, I had to sort of do that on the fly. But um, I but think that it was worked. Nice, yeah. I think it worked, though, you know, as good with these names as uh, other names. And uh, yeah. even with the sort of small contingent of us who were potentially going to be arrested, but um, <laughs> did manage to stand up to uh, get some chance out and got plenty of support for that, then then yeah, it was, it was good stuff. I think we should also mention that active support translates onto the pitch with the players and I'm, I'm sure that they heard us pretty well and I think that maybe took them up another gear and I guess you could probably say we'll, we'll get into the game in it shortly but we felt like we were in second gear for most of the second half. It was pretty comfortable but I think I think the team definitely felt the, uh, the support and it was good to see them get the three points. And I, I think just to probably reinforce the Yellow Army post after the Western United game, mm-hmm. that you know, the people behind that page have never gone anywhere because that's something that we've seen a while. You know, when we started to go on the decline, there was a lot of where have the Yellow Army gone and all that sort of stuff, and um, we tend to normally come back with, well, if you, if you want an atmosphere, then come start it because we're not uh, paid monkeys that do it for anybody else's entertainment. Um, those people have always been there, but it gets to the point where when other people decide not to show up and there's only 10 or 15 people in the bay that want to stand, that it gets pretty deflating to it's tough, <laughs> to continue yeah. to put in the effort. So yeah. I think, like I said before, I think it's it's not... it's For home games, it's not something that we can force. And there was a few comments after the Western United game that it was good to hear a bit of noise from the bay and... Um, those sorts of things, which that's what will happen. It will organically, slowly start to come back. That's I think the key we've been word. That. Yeah, we've been saying that for a few weeks now. And, you know, I've, I've been at the front of it myself for a number of years. And, mm. yeah, it did get pretty tough towards the end there when, like you say, we only had, you know, 10 or 15 people singing along. It's it's. And when you're losing 6-0 at home, it's, it's not, not exactly yeah, a, uh, <clears> you not, know, encouraging environment yeah. to chant. <laughs> but I would say that for, for those people who, you know, are considering whether or not they could uh, take the, have the courage to get up and uh, get a, get to be a part of that, especially at the away games, then uh, I'm a part-timer. I'm not down there in Bay 16 with you guys. You're a prawn sandwich. But I'm always there when it comes to getting on in, in the away bay and uh, there's nothing scary about any of you blokes. It's just a good old fun time and uh, and you, you learn the chance as you go and so 
so anyone who's even thought about the idea of being a part of that, you know, notwithstanding the COVID rules that we possibly breached at the time, then, <laughs> then, then you know, feel free to get off your bum and come and, and enjoy that with us because that was super fun, even though we were getting fried by the sun that was behind us. Exactly, um, exactly Aaron. Like, just if you want to, if you want to get involved, get involved. No one's saying you can't. No one's gonna. And no one will bite you. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, it's welcomed. Um, uh, so yeah, get into it, peeps, if you like it. So of course, going to our game on Sunday, it was the Mariners two against the Wellingong Fire Chickens nil. Uh, of course, the Mariners all-time leading goal scorer and six-time Golden Boot winner Matt Simon opening the scoring there. Uh, lovely ball through from Marco Urena to set him up uh, before Oli Bizanic ten minutes later, uh, five minutes after the restart, putting one into the top corner from the penalty spot. How good was that, lads? How good a day! How good a Fantastic. day. Fantastic. Everything. Such a good day. Yeah. Firstly, get a team from the gong in the league ASAP. Yesterday. So yes. we can do that more because I've been to Wollongong plenty of times. I've got uh, some family down there. Um, it's a great place. It's very Central Coast-esque. Um, and last time we all went there for a football game was obviously FFA Cup, uh, the first ever version against South Coast. That was a great night. Um Great day again on Sunday. The the, the view. How's the view? Oh, from, that West, like, from that Western Grandstand, yeah, I think? Yeah. Whisper it very, very quietly, but <laughs> equally as good um, as the CCSU. Uh, Minus, no palm trees, yeah. so it's not, you know. It's no not, sauce bottles either. No palm trees, no sauce bottles. Uh, so it's not, I won't say it's as good, but very good view for watching football. Um, nice little stadium. It's a great joint. Top day. So many positives. Everything though. was good. Like too a, much positivity. Yeah, and, and it started before you even sort of get there. Like yeah. uh, we both parked in a distance from the stadium that you could have thrown a tennis ball from the entrance to our cars. Mm. Um, in for the, free. In the you. street, for free, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, waltzed in there and, and had great views. The surface um, looked was unreal. Moving, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really yeah, quick. It looked no, like an absolute carpet. Nothing yeah. stopping, so it was obviously short, um, but it didn't seem to be hard um, or not too hard. So um, just too many good things. They had that socky thing. We like that. The wind oh, the wind sock. Yeah. Mark Bosnich is uh, with the A one weather report on the coverage. <laughs> that was his main go to. I'm not sure if it was legit that you know it was blowing a gale over there at the sock, but I don't know that it was down on the pitch. No, but, but, but yeah. But I thought we started slow again. Yes, definitely. The first yep. ten or fifteen minutes um, was a bit slow. They were the again, better team. First, 10, yeah, 15. they were. They were knocking it around quite well. Um, Right, Denson and Ruffer in the midfield were spraying balls out left and right. Um, and, yeah, we, we just started slow. But I think the biggest positive from that, um, even really a few minutes before the red card, was that we finally got our foot on the ball and just slowed the game down, which seems to be our tactic, which not a lot of people like. But, I mean, look at the results, if we're going to keep... And for me, it's still enjoyable to watch because there's a clear plan. 
We didn't be wrong to, early. That was the main thing. Yeah, yeah, and it'd be wrong to say that the red card was the reason why we changed the momentum. We we changed the momentum, mm. and then there was a red card. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and it was a good five to ten minutes of it. In fact, am I wrong if I say that the potential Matty Simon penalty, which could be given at another time, wrestled to the ground by that bloke over on the other side there? Slater seemed to think it was a penalty. Well, they certainly you Ordered know it. looked at it a few times, yeah. and, and 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 on another. Well, what they said was that if um, if that was called. Pen would it have been turned over by the VAR? No chance whatsoever. Mm. So mm. could have been. So I thought we had plenty of momentum, and then we just got a bit of a lucky. Well, I don't even think it was a lucky break. It was just a dead set red card. Hundred percent. Yeah, red card. No complaints from anybody. I don't. I didn't see any complaints even from Wellington fans. That, I think that was a red I card. I think Uffie had a few things to say about it as the as the card went up. But I mean, that's Pete probably Tally, isn't it? He was probably thought he had to <laughs> as, the, as the head coach. <laughs> yeah. And I think I I think. I do feel sorry for David Ball because uh, it was a peak strikers challenge. Oh yeah, and it's not—he's not a dirty player. He's—he's he's a goal scorer. He's a quality number nine. Mm. Um, and like what happened after the tackle, I think at you know obviously at first he probably thought it was a bit of a stitch up, but um, like they said on the coverage, he actually waited in the tunnel to make sure that Maddie got up and that he was alright. So oh, that's, that's good. so that that's like he. He wasn't sort of hanging around for VAR to sort of overturn it. He probably realised his error um, mm. as he got off the end of the tunnel and wanted to make sure he was all right. But you know, they just he just sort of dug his own team a big hole. And once I got the red card, I, I was sort of pretty confident that we could uh, get on with it because, mm. like we're saying before that, we we started to come into the game. Well, that's that's a change from years gone by as well. You know, historically we've. Um tended to struggle against teams that have gone down to 10 men 10 men curse which yeah. we see all the time in world football that a team goes down to 10 men and they just decide to park the bus and then they can you know probably counter attack and score which they they still had a few chances and i mean episcopo gave stefan negro an absolute nightmare for oh, yeah. 90 minutes he probably stefan's you know he's he's obviously been very good so far this season but you know probably not his best day out but hadn't you know Piscopo's probably one of the better um, young players in the league but probably because of where Wellington are on the table not getting as much uh, hype as some others mm. Created some great chances though, and uh, could have had more at times. Um, it was a, I, I thought we were really patient, and and the commentators were talking about how you need to be. Um, we didn't, you know, try to extract what we needed to get out of the ten men um, immediately, and um, maybe even Stadge had to have a few words to at uh, possibly half time to you know uh, enforce what it, or reinforce what it was that we would need to do against ten men, you know, to to wear them out basically. Um, but um, I thought we patiently waited and uh, at the end of the first half and then, of course, things went nicely for us in the second half, um, especially early when uh, when the, the silver penalty occurred and, uh, again, you know, absolute penalty as far as I'm concerned. Um, he definitely, you know, gets him so... And wow, what a pen. Speak about that. Phoenix Twitter admin does not agree. I was agree. about to say there was a fair <laughs> bit of saltiness on, on Twitter um, from not just Phoenix fans, but as you say, Josh, the, the Wellington Phoenix Twitter admin themselves uh, saying that 
I think it was De Silva won best Oscar in the box. Yeah, nah. Sorry about that, buddy. No it was chance. a clear trip. You yeah. only have to look at the Wellington players' reaction. They all knew it was 100%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you as, as a professional player, they're going to play those play for those moments, yeah. of course. He played but, for it 100%. Yeah, but it's but, and, still a penalty. Yeah, exactly. But um, you can't stick the leg out like that. Um, otherwise, you're going to have to expect that that's going to be the result. Yeah. I, I think Stadge, just moving on to Stadge and tactically, I thought him taking off Yonotto and bringing Nisbet on to start the second half was a great move. Yonotto, I think Yonotto was okay in the first half, but I think he's him and Urania are both sort of finding their 100% fitness. Nizzi comes on and hits the post, what, three minutes into the second half just before going, we got I'm the goal. I'm going to freak out when he scores. Oh, yep. wow. Nice. Oh my God. What Who a strike. Who painted that post? Like, yeah. if that post didn't have another coat of paint on it recently, <laughs> then that one's in there and, oh, how bad did we want that? Oh, <laughs> oh we were up. And then, that, and then uh, I think it was oh, maybe 20 minutes later when he had the ball and he pinged the ball out to De Silva in an absolute, probably the absolutely the pass of the game. And the whole crowd was uh, was up for it. And I think Nizzi was another standout in a game that had full standouts, including, I think we got to mention, Bazanic, who obviously I'm biased, but I think he's probably the signing of the season so far, and maybe the best player in the league. Yeah, it's been said all over socials that um, that he is the signing of the season, and he did win uh, fans player of the match on Sunday as well, deservedly so. 100 passes, like 104, I think, with mm. like 94 percent accuracy, which That's is insane. as good as you're going to see in any league. The most <laughs> passes um, from any of our players in all our games this season, and we should mention that. We had 631 passes for 89% accuracy, which is our third best passing accuracy since data of that sort has been kept. So, and it's our best passing accuracy since 2013. So, and how about that? Just that, shows how how well we're going. How about that pen? Like, yes, seriously, spiders were killed in this as the he ball sailed through Perfect. the corner of the goals. <laughs> and complete, uh, complete and utter ownership. First, as soon as that was given, give me the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah he pulled rank on Simo there, didn't yeah. he? And if you're going to pull rank, that's how you want to finish the pen, isn't it? Into the roof of the net, you know? Well, it was sort of a captain's a captain's call, wasn't it? He's like, I'm taking this, I'm going to put this in the top bins, and that's exactly what it did, and it showed his confidence. No goalkeeper's saving yeah. no, 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 no chance. Unsavable. And, I mean, and he, he is obviously getting a lot of the ball at the moment because when we when we don't have the ball, it's just a 4-4-2. But then when we do have the ball, it's a 3-1-4-2. And he's doing the old yep. dropping back in between the defenders. Or there, there was even one point there when he was out, out wide. Um in the back three, and he's he's just he just wants the ball all the I was time. Gonna and say, it's, he's it's very slow, it. but it's sort of methodical. There's a clear plan that, and then as we sort of start to move up the park, Stens is you know sort of there, anchoring the midfield, and then Ollie sort of goes past him and gets involved in the attacking play. And we saw that he had two shots from outside the box. I think yep, on the weekend, yep. Boz and Gianni um, just complement each other so well. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a so mark it's of the different player that he is from when he left to when he re- has come back because mm. he's just controlling the game like an absolute master now mm. and a general of the team, whereas, you know, he was a young and up-and-comer who um, filled spots at, at, at well. Like, at, I'm pretty sure he was the replacement for Monty in the grand final and uh, he did a super job, but he wasn't the player to control the team. Um, now... He's so good at just controlling the tempo of the game and of the team. Um, we only go forward when he's ready to make that happen and just just controlling everything. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think like you said before, Aaron, Stadge has got his tactics this season like spot on. Mm. And we heard that just before the first goal as well because he wasn't happy with the lack of a press that we were giving the 10 men, which Bosnich seemed to disagree with, but... 
um, you could hear you could hear him clearly on the sideline that that he wasn't impressed. And then there was there was also a period there where Yonata had the ball and he gave the ball away after he tried to put Clisby through. And then um, Duranya tried to obviously recover the ball and then Yonata marked the wrong man and was sort of all over the place. At, and then Urenia gave him a massive spray. So there's nobody is safe from their responsibilities. But they've all shown a bit of contribution there. Like Yonata, he's had some great touches and shown some great moments without actually sort of integrating perfectly. Do we think he's just a bit unfit the at the oh, moment? I think so. Maybe there's a bit of that, but maybe it's also just getting that sort of um, cohesion with the blokes around him. Um, but at the same time, Aranya seems to have started to make that happen. He had that great ball to Matty Simon for the Casella goal a couple of weeks ago. And in this game, the ball for Matty Simon's oh. goal. Absolute, he was, he was, he was quality on the superb. weekend again. I think yeah. we've mentioned before, I think he's going to be one of those strikers that's that likes to come up and get on the ball and create opportunities and we've seen that already with one assist last week and then the I guess the pre-assist for the first city uh, goal against city so yeah I think he's going to be pretty key to us and just on just on your I think the quality's there you can t- see the quality in his first touch some of his passes that have come off but um yeah, I think I, I think he's he's going to come good eventually, you know, because there's still two thirds of the season to go, mm. so there's plenty of time for him to show his best. And yeah, I'm 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 content with him so far, and I think he's going to get better. That's that's a general thing about the foreign guys that we've seen so far. We've had a lot of problems with really getting foreigners, getting the best out of foreigners in our team over the last few years. It's been quite hit and miss. I don't know exactly the detail. Um, maybe we don't know, uh, you know, how these recruitments happened. But however they happened, they seem this year to have been a different sort of a a, a different sort of an approach, and and it's seemingly a good approach. Um, haven't even seen the other young kid yet. Um, but um, after you know having our appetite wet by the two that have been on the pitch, one who's already you know actually making some real progress, and the other who looks like he can, um, then you have to have some confidence that Stefan Jankovic is going to come in and, and really make a difference as well. So um, well, he can't well, like he can't even get into the team because yeah. no, we're playing so well. No, and uh, th- that is a mark of how well we are playing, and uh, and also um, a, a local all and uh, the and Maddie uh, Maddie Dan. Bowman, like they can't get in the team either. Mm. Despite Bowman comes on and pulls that move that just um, splits the defence there um, in quick time, and yeah, there's that. It's hard to get in this team at the moment. So um, I'm I'm liking the Simon and Urania coming on, uh, coming off for uh, Koala and Bowman double sub that we've done the last couple of games. I think mm. that's worked really well, and Bowman with that sort of touch on the wing that almost created a goal for us. Um, what what did you guys think about it only being two? Do you think we should have won by more? Should we have it kept the foot on the <laughs> kept the foot on the pedal, or were you happy with content with just the two and take two nil every out? day of the week? Mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, we start to think of the things that we can criticise once we start to see a little bit of success happening out there, both you know on and off the pitch or whatever. But for me. Um, small steps and at the moment um, we were good enough to we, one we touched on it last week actually there's no panic there anymore in this team no, it's I so think calm. actually the panic is in the stands or, or at least <laughs> even that's drying up now as we start to actually believe in this um, so well yeah it's it's the f- first time in how in however long that I've felt super comfortable that we were just going to close out the game and you know, not even really concede a goal. We I think were, it's the Boz influence again. So do I. Yeah, yeah, we were just super comfortable. There's no panic stations. Even when they do get a chance, it gets 
closed down. It's there's there's everybody's just got like a sense of everybody knows their role. Everybody mm. knows their responsibility. Mm. They know how we're going to play. And even when we're up 2-0, we we're still clearly trying to create chances, trying to go for goal. There was the uh, there was a great bit of play there with Nisbet De Silva, which almost looked like I think. Josh, you might know this. There's a famous Arsenal goal from a few seasons ago where there was a Against couple Norwich. of yeah, there's about four first touch passes. We, that got, we almost almost box. replicated that exactly, mm-hmm. and that's the first time I've seen us play that kind of football in a long time. It was sort of and the same situation that earned us the penalty as well. There was a lot of yeah. one tu- good one touch stuff around the box, and it sort of Wellington failed to clear it, and De Silva gets tripped, and that's how the penalty comes. So yeah. I think you know. Watching us play, you know, quality one-touch football, you know, it's it's been a while, but welcome back. Hello, what? Yeah, what is what is happening? Well, it's hard to find a player out there who you could come up with anything crit- critical about, or couldn't, you know, put the superlatives out there about. But again, Danny De Silva, he's just a machine now. He's like he's a motivated man yeah. at the moment. Yeah, like he's he's grabbing balls everywhere off the opposition. He's making great passes. And How uh, was that? There was that one turn in the first half to get out of that really tight spot. That's where the red card it, came from. Yeah, it yep. was just that one turn that led to us breaking down out wide, and it was like would that he was not doing that 18 months ago. And some of the touches are, are you know coming off like that. I um, mean, there was a touch in the second half where um, he doesn't quite get the perfect uh, one-two ball back, and he goes with this little flick um, that sort of half back heels, half side foots the ball over his own head and in front of him and gets the shot away. If he scores there, it's an absolute miracle goal. Mm. Um, and these these things that we've always associated with Danny, the, the quality touches, they're starting to actually turn into delivery, mm. if you know what I mean. So... Great time. I think he's gotten full confidence from his coach, and that, that's I think that's maybe one of the key factors about how he's playing at the moment. And he's in a good team as well. So something I wanted to touch on about uh, De Silva and and the confidence from his coach, and possibly the confidence that he has in Stadge as well, is um, a moment that I saw someone mention on the CCMFans.net forum the other night. Um, where when De Silva came off for Casella, um, Casella was receiving his final instructions um, from from Stadge and from uh, Nail. And De Silva didn't just go and sit down in his seat and, and put his tracksuit back up, back on. He actually waited the 15 or 20 seconds um, until they'd finished with Casella um, to go and shake both of their hands and, you know, get a pat on the back and stuff like that. And I think it's just little things like that that you can sort of see the maybe the shift in mentality from Danny that, you know, he's maybe finally in a really good place mentally and, and happy and really enjoying his football. And uh, as you say, has that, has that confidence from Stadge and has confidence in the coaching staff here as well. And the comparison that was made in that same comment that Pete was just talking about was um, the difference between that and what Robbie Cruz did. Yeah, Robbie, Victor, Robbie Cruz stole my point, goddammit. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Well, th- you, can, that you, can, you can take it. That point is also one I was going to make about Yerenya because mm. when he came off, um, and it was mentioned on the broadcast as well, he didn't just walk off, do a little bit of a high five and go and sit down. He's not just here for a holiday. As he was sort of coming off, he was said to Allo and Bowman, he was giving them instructions. He was like, hey guys, do this. Blah, blah. He was full on into it giving them all the confidence and then you know when he goes off him and Matty Simon look like the buddy I don't know Bandit Brothers or something like <laughs> I don't know they, it's just it's a, it's a it's a really good team at the moment and I think yeah that, that 100% speaks to that mentality that everybody's bought in yep. and if those younger boys can see that even you know even the foreigners are here and they've they've bought into that mentality and like you said that it, it's the perfect example can you imagine if you're a young Melbourne Victory kid at the moment and I get that they're not going well, so it's obviously harder. But 
with the attitude that Robbie Cruz had when he came off two weeks ago in that game, he comes off, has a massive buddy dummy spit, throws his boots and everything around on the bench, looks like he's throwing his buddy toys out of the cot, and then Brebner apparently told him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a kid, you, you'd look to your experienced players to lead you, even in those really bad moments, you would want an experienced sort of a player to be like, okay, well, this is what we need to do to fix it, or, or at least at least not show that on the coverage or you know in front of everyone. Like that's that's a hundred percent not the way to go about it. And, and I don't I don't want that sort of an attitude anywhere near yep. this club. And Robbie Cruz is thirty two, played what seventy games for the Socceroos, played in Europe, and you just you know, he's a le- he's supposed to be a leader in that team, and it just doesn't look like it at all. He, no. he acted like a six year old coming off, you know. Yeah. And right now we have leaders all across the park. We've Probably Zanik. You know, Simo, Jidenya, even some like a Beerus, Beerus in goals, yeah, Ruan. 100%. Like they're probably reflecting all in their the results, place. isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. It's like absolutely. They're going well. For the, oh, big, for the big teams, it's time for them to um, be surely relegated we if they keep this up. Where is something negative we can talk about? <laughs> Melbourne victory. I just, want to, I just want to quickly mention, like, <laughs> the whole thing with Stadge coming in, like, we shouldn't be surprised about how well he's done because he took, you know, his pedigree going back to his time at the Matildas. He took the Matildas from... I don't know what they were, 15th or 20th in the world to 4th in the world. So he's got that pedigree of taking teams way up there and playing out of their skin. And also he's got that point to prove, as we mentioned, about you know everything that happened with the FFA and him coming into the club. And it's you know he's, he's brought back that winning feeling, winning culture, winning mentality that, um, that we've needed for a long time. So you know it's all of the positivity. Feed it to me. I'll even go as far to say that the weekend was a little bit too easy. Mm. I think there was a little bit of a sniff of Stadge was uh, starting to get it right late last year, um, but it was the the consistency wasn't really there, and it wasn't really what he built. Um, so, or, or or it just you know it wasn't there for us. But we've really come to a stage now where that's that 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 preparation and that um, that history is coming together with consistency. It's great. Of course, full credit to Lee Cooper for Josh Howe's previous point there, which is just blatantly stolen from the Facebook questions. <laughs> Peak Howe. <laughs> You've actually been full Howe, Lee. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> Joining us on the Coast Football Ramble podcast this afternoon, we have the Mariners Head of Academy, Nick Montgomery. Nick, how are you going? Yeah, good guys. How are you? Absolutely sensational, mate. Sensational. A couple of quick fire ones to uh, to kick things off. First and foremost, mate, your uh, your sauce does that go in the fridge or in the cupboard? Uh, it used to be in the cupboard, but now living over here with the, with the heat, it definitely goes in the fridge. No, oh. oh. <laughs> no, don't like it. No. <laughs> Sad for Monty. Is it Master Foods? Uh, Master Foods, yeah. Sometimes uh, Heinz. Ooh. Ooh. Mix it up, mix it up, keep the body guessing. Yep, fair enough. We can bleep that out. <laughs> um, secondly, mate, uh, who's better, Lionel Messi or Matt Simon? Oh, Matt Simon, for, for sure. <laughs> Absolute no-brainer. Clean, straight sets. Clean sweeps, straight sets for him so clean, far. Clean sweeps so far. So uh, the academy obviously saw enormous uh, success in the 2020 season, premiers and champions in both the under-20s and first grade. Uh, a number of the players are obviously now involved in that in that success and now in and around the first team. Uh, you must feel a huge sense of pride watching these guys. Yeah, we see some men's pride for myself and Sergio, who's who's my assistant in the academy, and 
look in terms of you know creating an elite environment at academy level i think that's that's been really important and in terms of the boys that we talk about there's probably you know seven or eight players that played in the grand final in the, in the MPL last season that you know that are now in and around the the A league squad they've made appearances obviously lose had big success as well but you know there's there's definitely a few that you know, due to the success and the and the you know the all the fixture changes, they probably haven't had any game time. But I think the future is bright for the club, and you know to have a, a coach like Stad who's willing to give these young players a chance. And and you know myself and Stad speak a lot, and we talk about the young players coming through. And again, I think having that balance of youth and experience has been the real key to 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 the success already this season, and and long may it continue. Is there anything in particular that has sort of changed in the way the academy was operating that has produced the talent we're we're seeing come through now? Look, in terms of recruitment, obviously, you know, we uh, I'm fortunate that I know a lot of people from around the country. So, in terms of looking out for talent, you know, in Melbourne and in Queensland, um, you know, all, all these other regions as well as obviously on the central coast, where is our talent pool that we really try and pull from? Um, but look, I think you know, in terms of you know, in terms of creating a, a, an elite environment, I think that's you know that's something that when I took over the academy, that was my main focus to make it professional, to make it you know to make it sure the boys understood what what's expected of them when they get to first team level. Because I think if that transition can be smooth, then you give the players a lot better opportunity to to break into the first team. And I think previously, um, you know, they, they, there was a massive gap between the academy and, and, and the A League team, and and that that gap at times is is a bridge too far for some players when they're stepping out of that youth zone into professional football because the demands are high, there's pressure um, and you've got to fight for a, a place against senior players that obviously, you know, it's their livelihood. So I think creating that mindset that, you know, is an opportunity, boys, we're going to present you, we're going to coach you, we're going to give you the, the tools, the mind tools, the sports psychology, the strength and conditioning and we'll give you the tools but then ultimately that's up to you when you get the opportunity to to put your hand up and, and, and show the manager that you're ready and like I said, you know the boys have the boys have done that, and I think winning last season, having that mindset of winning, I think that's that that can only help when you you know when you are stepping up to to A League level because you know it's a you know it's, a, it's about winning, and it's about um, you know being able to being being able to step in a, a team that has good players and, and force your way in, and that's not easy. So again, creating that mindset that the opportunity is here, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we've got so many players that are pushing in and around the A-League squad. So the Elo Kowal story is obviously a really good one and he's obviously been a revelation for us um, this season so far. There's been a lot written about him in the last month where, you know, the the three Melbourne teams all showed some kind of interest, but they all decided not to give him a chance. What did you see in him or what did your scouts, you know, potentially see in him that they maybe didn't? Look, I think you said there's a lot of A-League academies that, you know, that have kids in the in the programs and, you know, they like to promote from within, but, you know, when you find kids that, you know, possibly haven't been, been fortunate to be in an A-League academy because, you know, let, let's face it, it's an expensive sport to play. Um, and, and, and players like, a, you know, players like a low, playing locally in Melbourne, you know, none of the A-League clubs there, for whatever reason, decided to bring him in and, and give him a, a youth contract. And to be honest, you know, when I heard about him, I brought him in straight away and within the first session you could see his potential and very, very raw, obviously unpolished, un, you know, un, underdeveloped because he's probably not played as much football as, as a lot of the other kids in the academies. But you know, when you see a character and you see someone with massive potential, you know, that's that's what you're developing because at the end of the day, the young kids and, and you know, straight away he's infectious personality. He had, you know, 
athleticism, natural uh, power, and then he knew where the back of the goal was. So to be honest, you know, as soon as we saw that on the first session, even though it was very raw, myself and, and Sergio at the time said this kid, this kid's got a chance. Let's bring him in and and, and develop him, and, and hopefully he can develop into a good player. And to be honest, it was a you know he finished top scorer in the national youth league for us in, in his first season in the youth league. Um, and yeah, he just grew in confidence and in, in you know growing into that environment and coming you know coming from uh, an MPL level to you know to an A League environment. He you know, he struggled at times, but I think he's uh, you know his character and and everything shone through. And like you say, when he got his opportunities, he's been he's been a revelation this season. But you know for me, he's still a lot more to go and. You know, he's still got a lot more to develop. So, you know, if he's already scoring five goals now, then I think, you know, the future's bright for him. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a long road. He, you know, he does have a long way to go. And, um, but I think he's in the right team now. We've, we might Simon Jolly Bazanic, uh, Ruan Tonic, uh, you might be Gettys. He's got the experienced players there, like like the year when I came over and we had the Tommy Rodericks and the Matty Ryans and the Bernie Abinas and the young Oli Bazaniches. I think if you get that right, I think Stadge has got that right this year in terms of his recruitment with the senior boys and, you know, giving these young boys the opportunity to come in and learn from them. So, um, no, it's been, it's been uh, like you said, it's been, it's been great to see, very proud, but there's definitely more in the wings um, that, that probably haven't been, uh, you know, haven't been fortunate to get game time in the early, but I think the fans will get to see them in, you know, in, in the near future. So, Monty, something that actually you touched on a little bit there, but you and I have recently discussed about how this is our DNA and you've been around long enough to see how that really was when uh, we were big in youth and we had big success with youth and those guys, a lot of those kids have gone on and, and are having success. How important is the, the way that we're uh, returning to that DNA to our uh, future and, and, in fact, to our present? Yeah, look, I mean, call it DNA, identity, whatever you want to call it. And like I said, you know, I saw you in the stand a couple of weeks ago. You know, we had a brief discussion, but I think, you know, first and foremost, you know, the Mariners is a club that has a great reputation. You know, there's no, there's no hiding for four or five years. We probably didn't get that right at every level at the club. You know, we had a lot of young players playing and probably didn't deserve to be playing. And and I'm always of the, uh, you know, I'm always of the opinion that. You know, you have to be good enough to, 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 to break into the first team and you have to earn the right to play professional football. And I think that's that's really what's happening now. And you know, probably didn't happen before. I think it was a case of you know, young players giving them an opportunity, but possibly they weren't ready. And, and, and again, we suffered with results um, by doing that. And other clubs would come in and, and take you, you know, take, take some of the young players, you know, after we'd exposed them and after we'd had... Um, you know, a lot of mistakes from them, um, but I think now it's that's not the case. I think we've got a, a good competitive, you know, um, team with good experienced players and been able to blood them younger players in and, and put them into a, a good environment and in a winning environment. I think that's uh, that that's the key to developing them and 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 then becoming assets for the for the team and the club moving forward. Um, so look, I think you know it's about winning. You know, when I first came out to the club, we. You know, it, it was very clear. Um, you know, it was about winning games and, and being the underdog. And I think, um, you know, that that's the case this season. But look, it's, it is early. Nobody's getting carried away. Um, and and no stage is working hard, and the club as a whole are working hard to make sure that you know this is uh, this is continuous moving forward, and the club's the club's future is bright.
So just turning back to some of the players that have, um, I guess, broken through from the academy into the senior setup this year. Um, obviously, we've seen Allo, we've seen Jordan Smiley getting some minutes. Um, Maxi Ballard had a very strong performance the other week as well. Um, and Dan Hall has got to be sort of there or thereabouts as well. Who are some of the other players that are coming through that you think um, we might see a bit more of as, as the weeks go by? Well, just touching on the ones that you mentioned there, um, you know, they've got a great, um, you know, great futures ahead of them. But on top of that, you've got Matt, Matt Hatch, who again has been in around the first team, Lewis Curry, uh, Harry McCarthy, Damien Sakenis. Um, you know, a lot of boys, Cam Windus, the centre-back that played last year. Uh, you know, a young boy coming through, another centre-back, uh, Gideon Arok. Um, Dean Larson so look again there's a lot of names there and, and, and they're only names at the minute but look in terms of potential there's a lot of kids kids within the academy even going down now at, you know under, under 16 18 level where you know we've got high hopes that you know in the next couple of years within the current structure that you know we can really develop them to to push on and you know probably not forgetting Matty Cahill you know Central Coast boy top scorer in MPL last year for us as well um, and he's gone over to Hong Kong to 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 play in the Premier League for a season on loan. So I think their season's about to start next week. Um, and the coach is a good friend of mine. So look, Matt has gone on loan there for the season. And I think he's one that can, you know, that, that can really create a pathway for some of the younger players to possibly go out overseas on loan, um, you know, get some experience and come back and, and really push to, 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 be, to get an early squad as well. So um, lots of young players there. And uh, again, um, yeah, it, it's not easy. It's just only a small percentage that really do make it in the first team and and um, and stay there, which is always a hard thing. But look, I think, like you said, we've got some good kids in the academy, and in terms of the structure, we're looking at um, you know, continuing developing players and, and and players that can play in the A League. And I think that's you know, that, that's what the club's always wanted to be be sustainable. And you know, no doubt, some of these boys will um, you know hopefully move on and play overseas at some point in the future as well. So we've seen uh, Brief Murphet link up with the side uh, from down in the Tassie MPL. What what particular impressed you about him uh, when he was on trial because he was injured when he was here, wasn't he? Yeah, so look, he came in, he fractured his thumb in the trial, but look, he's, he's 2002 born, he's, he's six foot, uh, probably six foot five, uh, fantastic athleticism, um, great character on him, but look, he's raw. Again, he needs time, he needs time to develop and coming from Tasmania or any MPL club, you know, coming to in, into an A-League elite environment, you know, it does take time to adjust. So, look, he needs time, he needs games, he needs he needs uh, specific training. Um, but, you know, he's definitely uh, definitely got big potential. And like I say, at academy level, you know, you bring your kids in, in on potential and hoping that he can, he can develop them mentally and physically to, you know, to, to really push on and, and, and become, um, you know, become... Good, uh, good, good plays for the club in future. But yeah, um, no, Reef's, a, Reef's a great lad, and um, you know, like I said, with time, I think he can be a very good goalkeeper. So you mentioned before that obviously the the main sort of a focus is to try and develop local talent. But we we've we've obviously seen a few times, like with Alo Kowal, like with your Dan Halls, that obviously come in from other MPL sides around the country. Can you talk to us sort of a bit about um, how you go about that sort of recruitment? process like you said before that you know obviously you know a lot of people around the place but do you go looking for those for those sorts of boys to bring in do the do you sort of get um you know sort of contacted by sort of their agents maybe or sort of how does that work yeah look so we you know we we like to do sort of open trials from from contacts that we know um so again uh, contacts around the country will will send players in different ages and, and and at the end of the season you know we try to say uh you know Bring, bring the kids in, let's have a look at them. But, 
you know, the strange thing is that it's probably easier bringing boys from interstate than it is from Sydney because you've got three clubs in Sydney now, obviously Melbourne, uh, sorry, obviously Sydney, West Sydney and, and MacArthur. So you've got three, three, you know, big A-League teams in Sydney. So in terms of recruiting from Sydney, you know, it's always, it's always very, very hard because, you know, the kids go to school in Sydney, they'd have to travel up here, you know, three, four times a week. It's a, you know, it's a big commitment. So in terms of, Finding players from interstate where you know there maybe isn't an A League club or there's only one A League club and the opportunity is limited. You know, for 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 us, we have to tap into that market. And if the kids are willing to come and the parents are willing to move up here, which is what's been the case quite quite a few times, then you know that that's where we have to look outside of of the central coast as well to try and find you know kids because you know we are in you know we are an A League academy and we should be looking countrywide but 100% our focus is within the central coast and, and, and trying to find the best kids on the coast uh, first and, and like you said you know we've had a lot of success with Trent Baraja and Lockie Wales and, and these players that have been local that have, that have you know that have pushed on and into a league careers so uh, it's definitely not easy um, you know any kid moving to the central coast has to invest into themselves the families have to invest into them but if you want to be a if you want to be a footballer, then you know you have to get into an elite environment, and you have to give it everything uh, everything you've got, and, and that's one thing. Um, you know, the players coming from interstate will always give you because they're moving here for a reason. You know, they're they're away from the families, or the families are moving here. So again, you know, we talk about Dan Hall, Mizzy, uh, these sort of players. You know, they came at a young age, they they bonded. You know, they are part of the academy. They became locals, and and now you see them in the first team. So I think they're the success stories that to add to the uh, the local ones that we need to keep pushing. So as we mentioned before, the, the under-20s also also won the comp last season. So is there anyone that you can expect, or that the fans can expect to see more of coming to the first grade side this season? Yeah, look, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, competition for places, a lot of them, you know, the crazy thing is a lot of the boys in, in the 20s could play under-18s and a lot of boys in the first grade can play under-20s. So in terms of the ages of, of kids in the academy, um, you know, it's... It's always a case of, you know, if they're good enough, they're, they're old enough. Um, and at the end of the day, we you know we don't hold anybody back. If if, you, if you've got a, a young player that's really thriving and, and and playing really well, then you know they, they deserve to be playing in in the top grade. So, um, but in terms of development, you know there is a lot of kids in in the 20 squad that are you know that are developing uh, physically. You know they're not ready for for first grade football, but you know it's only a matter of time before they explode and. And you push him into first grade, but I think you know, being in in the position that I'm on, um, I think it's about knowing the right time to to start pushing the boys up, and again enjoying the football, developing, and and at the right times push them up when they can compete physically. Because you know, men's men's first grade here is against men's teams from Sydney that have big salaries, and and they've got players that have played a lot of games of football, played overseas as well at times. So you know it's a physical battle, and if the kids are not ready for it, then um, you know they, they they can really struggle. So the under twenties is is a, is a good uh, good development for first grade players. So look, in terms of that, again, a lot of young kids, um, you know, that that are pushing. But you know, probably right now it's uh, you know in terms of naming people, you know, we'll see who pushes into the first grade this year and and, and pushes for a place in the team because I think there'll definitely be a couple that do that. So the new academy season kicks off uh, soon on the 6th of March. It's a pretty big kickoff against the Wanderers Academy um, with uh, unprecedented success last year. Then uh, how do you go about uh, setting main goals for the 2021 season? 
Yeah, look, you know, we, we know that everybody's going to want to beat us. You know, we the success we had last year was fantastic, but that's in the past now, and, and that's one thing that we say to the boys, you know, what we did last year is, is in the past, so, you know, that's not something to think about. We know we need to get better, we need to improve. Um, you know, like I said, we do have them seven or eight boys training with the first team. You know, when the season starts, they're all eligible to play. If they're not playing in the A League regularly, then you know they're all they're all uh, contracted to to play in the NPL team. So you know, in terms of strength strength in in, in depth, hopefully you know, hopefully they're in the A League team. But if they're not, then they can still keep developing and getting good competitive games in NPL. So you know, for me, it's we just carry on. And, you know, using using Alou, uh, Alo, using Dan Hall, using uh, Max Ballard as you know, this is the opportunity, boys. If you perform, and if you perform in first grade, then you know we've got a manager in, in Alan Stadgett that is that is willing to give you boys a, a, an opportunity. So um, yeah, it's you know exciting times. It's not going to be easy, um, but yeah, we look forward to the the season starting with a big game against West Sydney in, in the start of March. And of course, just um, turning to your professional playing career, um, you spent about 12 years at Sheffield United, um, played in the Premier League as well. What was that experience like? Amazing. Again, playing in England is, is for me, is, a, is, a, is the best leagues in the world. And the Championship for me is probably one of the hardest leagues in the world and everybody will tell you that. So to play there for as long as I did and you know, playoff finals, semi-finals, FA Cup semi-finals, League Cup semi-finals and promotion of the Premier League for me it's uh, you know that that's all I ever wanted to do as a kid so getting to that level you know that's why I love I love being in an academy um, environment I love developing players because when you've been through that experience and you know how hard it is and you know what's you know what you need to do and you know the ups and downs I think you know that that really puts me in a good place to you know to, to guide these young players and, and when they're having their ups and downs you know I can sit with them and I often do and individually and just explain to them that look, this is normal, this is a process. You're going to have ups and downs, but you know the main focus for you is being a footballer. So how do you get there? And, and again, um, you know, controlling the controllables in that, making sure that every day you turn up to training, you be the best version of yourself you can be. Because if you do that and you work hard and you play well in the games and you're consistent, that's always going to get you where you deserve to be. And you know, I did that as a player, and and, and again, you know, there was a lot better players than me. Uh, when I was a, a young player, and, and for whatever reason, like you said, you know, we all know the the stories of uh, you know finding other things outside of football and, and, and losing your focus. It's uh, it's a dangerous thing. So look, I think you know for myself, uh, I don't talk about my career in terms of you know what I did. Um, I think everybody knows that. So for me, it's just about you know ensuring that I give these boys my attention and. And I guide them and, and, and use all my experience to, to, to push them into, into the first team. And, you know, when, when they do go on and you see them, you see them push on, it's a proud moment. And I think, you know, after playing, um, coaching is, uh, is probably the closest thing you can have to that buzz and, and that match day and winning games and, and, and seeing the team play that the way that you want to play and a reflection of you. I think that's, uh, you know, that, that for me is the, the best thing in being a coach. How did the move to the Mariners actually come about? Because I think I think it's probably fair to say that you like Australia and you like the Central Coast with how long you've uh, been here for now. How did the move actually come about, and how how much how big of a decision was it to move over to the other side of the world? Yeah, look, it was a massive decision, and actually I've said this on many podcasts, but you know I spent twelve years at Sheffield United, you know, over four hundred games, and. I could have moved so many times, you know, around clubs in England, uh, some some good opportunities, but I always, uh, you know, I was always at a big club. I, I've always been a loyal person, and 
when the time came, I got to 30 years old. My twins were 14 months old and they'd been sick, um, you know, on and off for, you know, probably since they were born. And yeah, look, the opportunity came up. Um, Kevin McCabe, who was the owner of Sheffield United at the time, had a good relationship with with Peter, the, the previous chairman. And look, when it when it came to me leaving there, um, I could have stayed in the Championship in England. I had opportunity to go to the MLS, but for whatever reason, I always wanted to go to Australia. My dad had lived in Perth when he was younger, and I think the connection with the Mariners, Trent Sainsbury came over when he was a kid, and and my, uh, a couple of other young players, and just always thought, you know what, I'd love to play in the A League and and new players that have played out here. So really, it was uh, the opportunity came and Graham Arnold offered me a three-year contract. So yeah, I went home and told the wife that I know we'd never moved anywhere, but I think we're going to move to Australia. So it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it, was it was a massive uh, decision, but one that I, you know, I've never I've never looked back on because the kids have, have just flourished here. The, the climate's amazing. Um, you know, the, the, the lifestyle's great for, for families. And I think that's one thing that you can't put a price on. And, and that's what's really, you know, really settled me here and and give me the opportunity to finish the, the UEFA Pro Licence and, and get into the coaching at first team level, at, at academy level and, you know, put me in a position that I'm in now and, and, and yeah, really looking forward to, you know, the future and where that will take me. So you obviously came into the side at the right time because uh, we won the championship in 2013, of course. So looking back to those times, who were some of the biggest sort of personalities and characters in the dressing room and why do you think we had so much success with that side? Look, I think I touched on it before. In terms of experienced players, you know, I came over to John Hutchinson, who's a top, top guy, great captain. Um, in terms of uh, other players, you had Patrick Swanswijk, Mille Stajowski, Daniel McBreen, you know, found his, his goal-scoring boots that season. Josh Rose, um, you know, we had some really good experienced players that, that, you know, that helped the young boys, that guided them. And then obviously Graham Arnold in a the, in the really structured, organised coach who, uh, again, set the mentality of we might be a small club, but we're going to compete against all the big spenders and, and we're going to beat them. And I think, um, you know, looking back, I think that, that, that was, um, you, know, uh, you know, a great... A great side that we had then, and, and a really good bunch of young players that, that went on to to play overseas. So um, I think having that mix of youth and experience, I think that 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 really is the key. And for me, you know, this season, the A League, you know, after coronavirus has been obviously uh, financially hit a lot of clubs. So I think the big spending clubs, you know, lost the Fonja, for example, at Sydney and probably wasn't as much investment so it's been a great opportunity for you know, clubs like us and some of the smaller clubs to, to really try and bridge that gap and I think that we've, uh, we've, we've had a real good go at that. So you mentioned Graham Arnold uh, just then and obviously with what he delivered to the Mariners then uh, he's certainly up there if not our favourite coach. Um, who is the best manager that you played under? Uh, oh, I think it's probably Neil Warnock I spent seven years under him and you know no doubt everyone's seen him on YouTube the guy was uh, animated he was passionate a little bit crazy at times but I think when you when you see him off camera and, and you spent seven years with him you know the guy was a bit of a crazy genius and again I've said it on many podcasts but this is my management you know the way that he got the best out of players didn't matter what, what age you were you know where you'd been in your careers international come from League One Premier League whatever um, he just had a real he just had a real way of making everybody you know feel welcome and a real humor about him as well and yeah for me you know you only got to look at his record in, in teams he's had promoted to the Premier League um, teams he's had promoted from different leagues to get promotion is probably one of the hardest things to do in football because over the season you've got to be you know consistent and 
and competitive and and, and again for me um you know good 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 manager but look i've been fortunate to work with the likes of brian kidd obviously mike freeland when he came here um and i've really been fortunate to work with some some big personalities in football and and learn from them so i think um you know taking all that into consideration i think that's what what rounds you as a coach you know when when you've worked with some of these with some of these people Beautiful. Well, Monty, we could talk to you for hours, mate, but we, we, will, uh, we will let you go. Thank you so much for joining us on the Coast Football Ramble podcast this afternoon, mates. And, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing the Academy boys going around again this season. Always a pleasure, guys. And, yeah, look forward to, to uh, the season continuing. course uh as well over the last couple of days we've seen an update come through from the central coast mariners supporters trust um bit of development there in terms of uh, sort of documentation getting everything registered with all the authorities um getting all the drafting benefits and voting options for members put together as well um the trust have had um some uh preliminary conversations with the club now um and uh, we know that the club is super excited something that we've spoken to sean about a few times on the podcast already um but uh of course we need to get uh or the supporters trust rather needs to get everything absolutely right um, in terms of the setup and, and the value for uh, for potential members. I guess the question is, you know, what would potential members of the supporters trust sort of want to actually vote on or, or have their say on? You know, would it be things like, you know, marquee player selection or, or club colours or, you know, seeing their money invested into the academy or the NPL side um, or maybe, you know, just a statue of Simo, or, you know, the Mariners all-time leading goal scorer and six-time golden boot winner out the front of the stadium there. Is that D? Yeah, D. D. <laughs> D times two. <laughs> Maybe put one of Stadge next to it. <laughs> yeah. um, well, what? Well, the general supporters trust thing around the world. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that fans sort of have the power to oust the CEO if need be? So, sorry, Sean. Um, <laughs> but then they also uh, have the power to keep the CEO. I yeah, guess. So, correct. Yeah, you're correct. welcome, Sean. Correct. So, um, but yeah, I, I, it's, I mean, basically. I guess number one, where do I sign? Because I'm 100 percent in. Um, but yeah, I, I guess there's there's a lot of work to be done here because it's obviously going to be uh, it's going to be a first in the league, mm. um, and in a franchise league, how does that look? It's very complicated. Mm. It is, but I think it's I think it's really good for everyone to have a good think about what it is that they do. How do you want to impact on your club? Um, exactly and uh, how can you actually impact on your club and what sort of options are there in all seriousness we may not get a a, um, statue of the goat outside the stadium but there are things that we can impact on and so you know I guess as an example uh, can we impact by making sure that if we have a sufficient fund for it that we are um, attached to a player an individual that's brought to the club we don't have to choose the individual of course um, although if we can find a decent enough one maybe we can but if we if we manage to raise a few hundred thousand dollars then uh, can we have the club agree to um, uh, to bring a marquee with that money and uh, continue spending the cap outside of that that kind of thing I think that's appealing 
Um, I don't know. I mean, as an example, from a from a you know involvement point of view, I don't want to be liable for the club's losses because um, some might say that the A League is not always well run. And <laughs> <laughs> so, nobody's making money in this comp. Exactly. Think. So I, I don't want to be liable for that um, debt, but um, but I I certainly want to see that my money is going to something that is really positive and actually improves the club. Mm. Yeah, and and it's been proven that it works all over the world. You know, Barcelona. You know, they their fans vote for their chairman and things like that. And then f- clubs in Germany that are fifty one percent owned by the supporters. So it, it's proven that it works. So I'm I'm very happy to uh, contribute in any way I can for sure. Really good to see though that there has been some progress. Some of the document stuff has been done, and uh, you, I think you can see this progress. Um, could be getting it wrong here, Pete, but I think you can see this progress on the. Um, Supporters Trust site now. On the website, that's right. So head to uh, ccmsupporterstrust.com. Um, they've got uh, you know the timeline and everything along um, along the way of what's happening and, and the expected sort of uh, dates for, for completion of certain steps. So um, it's all pretty exciting. I'm, I'm definitely keen. Shut up and take my money, absolutely. Can I be controversial about owners? Um, I think that there's uh, something to be thought about in terms of how this looks um, while Mike's here. Um, but we'll just have to sort of see how that plays out, I guess, because at the moment he's what we have and and uh, he's, uh, you know, keeping to himself... Sorry, Mike, he's keeping to himself over there about um, uh, our recent success, which I think in the circumstances feels like the best thing. I'm sure he's enjoying it. I like but, it, to be honest. But it's probably best if he lets us enjoy it um, and um, continues with, with whatever it is that he thinks he's doing with the future of the club, at least the immediate future. So... Um, but yeah, what, what do you guys think about that? Can we can we have a legitimate, um, big enough group if uh, our current owner still remains? Is that too controversial to discuss? Look, as long as the the rules are set in stone and and in absolutely in place um, for exactly how the supporters trust money is allocated, um, then yeah, you know, I don't see any reason why not. You know, full credit to Mike for for stepping in and saving the club when you know we were essentially on the brink of collapse back in 2013. Um, you know, without him, it's probably unlikely that we would have a club. Yes, things have been, for lack of a better word, absolute shit since then. Um, <laughs> What's the better word? <laughs> I, I can't that. put it on this podcast. Yeah, I want to hear that afterwards. <laughs> Maybe on the outtakes. Um, but you know, it's 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 at the stage where. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it feels like things are turning around. You know, the vibe throughout the entire club feels like it is 2011, 2012, 2013 all over again. I think I think there'll be people that will not put in while Charlesworth is still the owner. And I can I can understand that. I can understand that, yeah. Um, I am probably 50-50 on that, to be honest. If, yeah, like you said, Pete, there, there, would, there would need to be a clear agreement between the supporters' trust and Charlesworth, receipts for everything <laughs> down well, to a pen um, for how that money is spent, and the supporters' trust having full say on how that money is spent if the trust is the one raising the funds. And I suppose that goes back to the question about what we want to be able to have a say on and, and vote on. And I guess that the key to that is that we would have to convince those people that we weren't just providing an outlet, uh, an out, if you like, for Mike and, and the spend, um, that our spend would be separate and uh, wouldn't impact on the spend in the squad um, otherwise. So... So yeah, I suppose there's plenty to think about, but it's uh, it's encouraging that you know that, that 
even though it's been quiet and it's been in the background that there has been some good progress there and um, there's sort of a timeline there that talks about what the future timeline looks like and mm. I think that's important um, because it can't drag on forever so yeah good to see some news and I think that's part of the reason why it has taken you know this amount of time and why it has been a little bit quiet um, for the last few weeks because you know I know that um, having spoken to Mark a few times over the last couple of months he is absolutely insistent on, on getting this absolutely dead on getting this absolutely right and making sure that this is you know the correct sort of investment vehicle for the club um, and you know the best way to potentially drive the club forward as you say it's a, it's not just a, an A-League first but it's an Australian sports first I think um, so if it if it is something that we can get off the ground, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. So Fans are already having a say, I would have to say, that um, I think we know from Mark that the um, the most po- appears the most popular response to how much money was uh, the $200 a year. Uh, I think it was $3.84. Yep. Uh, no, I didn't read that. Oh, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> per week. So it's the price of a coffee per week, I think I've seen, heard somewhere. Even um, less, yeah. Even less. Um, although it's half a Macca's latte. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 my coffees at home are cheaper, but that's okay. Um, but so it's not a lot of money, and uh, we could really have an impact. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to put in 200 bucks a year for a statue of Matty Simon out the front of the stadium. So, um, as we said, there all thoughts the, on a boat. Uh, thoughts on a what? A boat. A boat for the cannon. A boat for the goat. A boat for the goat. <laughs> In the past, we were like a sunken boat, but, but possibly now we could have a boat that floats. <laughs> a boat that floats for the goat. <laughs> Man. Dr. Uh, Zeus over here. Uh, as we said, all the info, um, head to ccmsupporterstrust.com. Uh, there is a link there as well that I think you can submit any feedback that you might have. I'm not sure if the survey is still open. Um, if it is and you haven't taken it yet, I, I wholeheartedly encourage you to take that survey there. So And get your friends to do it as well. Just you know, get anyone who's a coastie and... Uh, a, a real coastie and wants to be a part of the coast in the future, um, get them involved too. Every day, I know that it's you I need to take the blues away. It must be love, love, love. It must be love, love, love. So joining us remotely this afternoon on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, of course, is uh, Sean Millicamp. Sean, what's happening? Yeah, cheers, guys. I'm uh, going to go up and see my dad who lives up at Tanaree uh, for some personal reasons and um, just making a trip back. So I'm um, happy to have a chat because I'm a bit bored on the long drive. Of course, always a pleasure having you on, mate. Um, we've we've heard some uh, some whispers this afternoon that there may be some uh, some changes happening to uh, some upcoming fixtures. Can you shed some light around that for us? Yeah, most definitely. The um, if we were having this conversation this morning, I would have had a very different answer. So it's very very live right now. But we're expecting that after uh, the Victorian Premier uh, makes the announcements at eleven o'clock tomorrow that the adjusted draw will come in. Uh, as it stands right now, the Wanderers game is off. Uh, we believe that we won't be playing the Wanderers and that we will go to Adelaide and then our next game uh, will be on March the 2nd on a Tuesday night in Perth away and then we'll be uh, back at home on March 8th against the MacArthur Bulls. So that's as it stands today. Uh, right now at this moment, so it could very well change, but but it's it's taking shape. If uh, if we were to have this conversation about five hours ago, I would have been talking that we're actually playing uh, Perth on the 27th 
and we were going to fly straight from Adelaide through to Perth and then go from Perth into Melbourne to play Melbourne City to then come back. But those those plans have been have been canned uh, as it is. So it's a it's, it's literally moving by the moment. Uh, probably some of the biggest reasons are because of the border constraints. And as it turns out, we're one of the only teams that can actually get into Perth and play Perth at the moment. Has there been any talk, I guess, you know, with all these changes coming thick and fast of, of potentially moving teams back into a hub like we saw towards the end of last season? Yeah, definitely. I know Perth have been very close at times, um, but it's not ideal. It's not fair. Um, so I know that the priority right now is to try to keep a, um, yeah, some, some integrity on the competition and fairness around it. So we're trying to get to a point where everyone's played sort of 10 to 11 games at the same amount. And that's actually affected the, uh, the changes that I just discussed because when we had a look at what was being presented to us, we were playing far too many games compared to everybody else uh, that was there. We've really played more than anyone else and that got taken into consideration uh, and, and definitely got scaled back so that we can have a bit more of an equitable um, uh, gaps between games. Um, but yeah, so the hubs have been considered, uh, but at the moment, you know, there's still, there's still plenty of opportunity to get them done. But that's why tomorrow's announcement by the uh, Victorian Premier is, is very live right now and how it's going to affect the draw. How much of a pain in the backside is all this? There's, you know, there's obviously not much that we can do or that the club can do, but how much of a pain is it, you know, for yourself, for Stadge, for all the socials, for all the marketing team, you know, obviously with home games, etc. there's, you know, all sorts of materials and that that all get sort of all prepared weeks in advance. How much, how much of a curveball is really this whole year? Yeah, look, I suppose it is, but we're very used to that as well as a, as a club. Uh, you know, in fact, we pride ourselves on being able to, 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 to move and change quicker than the others. Uh, it's actually something that I know that we can do because we are a small team, but we're a very experienced one. The one that I'm probably most mindful with these changes is the actual players themselves. You know, it's the players themselves and their families and, you know, they're, they're, they're wondering, you know, on Sunday... Am I going to be at home with my family, you know, having come back from per- from Adelaide, or am I flying to Perth right now? Uh, that that's the part I'm really most mindful of. The other part, you know what? It's we pride ourselves on being really good at that stuff uh, for it. So um, so we kind of thrive on it. In all fairness. So we are going to be pretty devoted about not um, getting to go for another away day, especially after uh, a very recent, uh, highly successful and enjoyable away day. Um, what about the sort of physical um, uh, implications for the players and their preparations and so forth? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with your sentiment there. I was really looking forward to going to Bankwest Stadium, especially to get there and play them before, um, before Mitchell Duke is up there and signed. But... Uh, that's the way it's going to play out for us. That'll be at a later date. So um, so we just have to be bigger and better. Um, but I, again, I, I think that our our advantage this season has been the pre-season uh, that we've had physically. The guys are, you know, a, a, a fantastic. Uh, I was just listening actually on the way back to the last week's podcast. Again, I was, um, uh, I, was I was enthralled by listening to um, Stefan Negro about you know, their, their physical conditioning and and, um, and where they are. And, uh, and I think that's, that's the biggest advantage we've got right now through this. But it's going to take our toll if we keep having three-day turnarounds and back-to-back. So at the moment, with the schedule that we're looking at in, in playing Adelaide, and then a bit of a break to March 2nd to play Perth, and then March 8th 
should should bode well for us to, to give him that time. How good was the weekend? Yeah, it was great. I really wanted to you know, say thanks to you guys and and, um, and and everybody who went along from the academy and, and you know from Bay 16. Um, you know, I, I, I asked you on the podcast you know, last time. You know, to let's get down there and, and make it a mission that that we're part of this and and, and cause a bit of an ambush atmosphere. And we did that uh, listening to the replay. Uh, again, over some wines, you know, late at night, all I could hear was the singing and chanting from the crowd, uh, which was fantastic, and the bus trip was great, and and we we've got a part to play now as a as a crowd to to give us that um that extra man. Yeah, absolutely. You may be able to tell that my voice is a little bit worse for wear at the moment. Um, been struggling to <laughs> to get this put together, but um, definitely worth it, mate. Yeah, it was great, and you know, hopefully, at some stage, some security guards will. We'll understand what active support's a little bit more about, especially when there's two minutes to go. But anyway, we got through it all right. We definitely wanted to ask, is there anything you want to um, spill for us there? In uh, in uh, You were having a very amicable conversation with the police uh, there late in the game. Yeah, yeah, it's a unique thing. But anyway, look, at the end of the day, you know, there was um, security guards there trying to do their job and probably just lost context of the game, so... Just had to have a chat and everything was all good. Yeah. I think uh, I think you were wasting time like Stefan Negro the week before with his hamstring. <laughs> very good, very good. It's uh, it's absolutely belting down where I am right now. So sorry if there's a bit of static coming through. That's uh, that's the rain. Yeah, that's that's all good, mate. We might um we might let you get back to it so you can focus on the road, mate, and uh, and travel safe on your way back. Um, thanks again for uh, for joining us at the drop of a hat, pretty short notice um, turnaround. Obviously, with um, how quickly things are moving, as you said, mate. But um, always a pleasure to chat to you. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, guys. Yeah, just keep an eye on the updates from socials, and um, and uh, before you know, it, we'll have the accurate details on the upcoming matches. Beautiful, Sean Millicamp. Thanks once again, mate. Cheers. Cheers, love you guys. Love you too. Love you too. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> Okie dokie, taking a quick look at uh, other A-League things, uh, other games from this round, Sydney 2, Phoenix 1. Um... Yeah, probably unlucky for Phoenix yeah. to, to not get something out of that one there. I thought Sydney, they haven't entirely been the Sydney of old this season. Barbarossis uh, finally breaking the duck and scoring two. So, you know, good for him. But I think Phoenix are pretty unlucky in this one. I don't think they deserve to lose. But uh, now there are a couple of losses in, the ro- in a row and down the bottom of the ladder, which is unfortunate. Uh, the next game was uh, MacArthur 2 and Brisbane 0. This one was <laughs> an absolute classic up there in Redcliffe. Um, not for necessarily the action on the pitch, but more so the action off it. Um, we did hear a pretty good sledge from the crowd uh, directed at uh, former Mariner Tommy Orr, uh, which we can just, uh, I think we might be able to bring this in for you now. Tommy's Absolute 
classic from old mate uh, in the Brisbane crowd. There, Very I had good to. Gear. I had to. Um, want to buy that guy beer? I had to go back and, and sort of replay that a couple of times because I was I was nearly wetting myself laughing. Adam Peacock um, didn't even bother hiding his chuckles in the commentary box as well. <laughs> and you got you got a viral tweet out of it as well, Pete. Yeah. Oh yeah. Went, I, went really well on the socials. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, yeah. It banged a little bit. So Just straight good advice, really. Though wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know. I mean, was he wrong? <laughs> no. Not, yeah, <laughs> not that he's, I can. He's not wrong at all. But um, I mean, on that. He wouldn't, he, get wouldn't get the, oh. he wouldn't get in the side. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. He wouldn't get in the side at all. What a waste of two seasons that was. <laughs> well, I don't know. I didn't see much of the rest of the game, just that bit, really. <laughs> <laughs> or, although we probably appreciated um, uh, MacArthur doing Brisbane, did we? It was it, they did us a favour for sure, but oh, then yes. again, they're they're um oh we should have mentioned it before, before but four points clear, boys, how good! Oh yes, yeah. four oh, points yes. clear. And MacArthur has Maca- sort of come out of nowhere. For yeah, me. It's kind, of a, kind of a because they keep on winning away, mm, mm. and they so they've still sort of been picking up points. Um, but yeah, there's I mean, like again, we we beat them pretty comfortably for me. I just MacArthur. don't, yeah. I just don't rate their style of football. It's just Ocon ball or Yolich ball. Yeah, they've got a couple of good young players. Um, you know, a couple of their imports are okay. I don't think Milligan's had. I don't think he's had too much of an impact. You know, he popped up with a goal, but um, yeah, I, I, I still don't rate him. Mm, yeah. I think their their front man has looked okay, and uh, the young kid who was formerly uh, from the coast, he's looked pretty good. Uh, <laughs> see him rocking into the stadium um, most weeks at our place, and wants to come and see a decent team, which is fair enough. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but but yeah, I think we can do them and remind them in a couple of weeks, can't we? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, can't wait for that one. Next game of the round was uh, Wanderers two victory nil. Um, victory absolutely stink. This they season. they are they are doo doo. They are they pretty are rank. rancid. Oh mate, and their their fans. Um, if you if you want some goo feasting, um, mm. yeah, just head over to their Facebook or Twitter pages and watch their fans absolutely melting down. If you thought some of our fan comments have been bad over the last couple of years, this is uh, oh boy, I'd hate to see them have to go <laughs> four spoons in five seasons. I, I am just still laughing at what Jester did to give away that that. Penalty, <laughs> a, 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 an attempted bicycle kick in your own box, and, and he's kicking like, Bernie right in the face. And he's like six eight. Use your head, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking. And he's only just come on the pitch. Then was that his first touch? I mean, he didn't even get a touch on the ball, really. So, <laughs> yeah, victory, uh, not very good. And you look at that victory side on paper, like it's not bad, but on the pitch, they are just. Rancid, as, as Luke just said. We're going to do it. They will finish at the bottom <laughs> of the table, well below the best team, our team. Been we, waiting can, a long can you, time. Can you imagine telling someone at the start of the season that we'd be first and they'd be last eight rounds in? Yeah, I can imagine. I never doubted us. Uh, of <laughs> course, we saw Grant Brebner got the full backing of the board earlier today as well. So, yep. uh, yeah, bye, Surefire sign. Yeah, he's See you gone. later. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> Uh, the next game was MacArthur for Adelaide nil. Uh, talking about smelly teams, first half pretty uh, pretty poor, slow, dreary drudge of a game. Another but, storm um, at Campbelltown. Yeah, then uh, second half it sort of sprung to life there. Your man Derbyshire, I thought, got a hat trick. Erin um, and uh, your best mate Milligan Luke uh, bag mm. one for himself as well. I mean, I could score against Adelaide. At the moment, based on that, yeah, their, their defense is like just like a knife through butter. There's nothing, as is their midfield, just very similar to victory. They're just just not good. The not way good. that Milligan just ran through their midfield into the box was just crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, once again, 
there's all I don't know MacArthur. I'm still not really rating. I really don't rate Adelaide. There's not no. another team really besides Brisbane. Even though MacArthur beat them, I think it's, it's at this stage of the season. I think it's us and Brisbane for the two most consistent teams in the comp. You have to say, it's yeah, been, it's been so weird because I was starting to think that the other side of the draw might be too good for us, and uh, our side of the draw that uh, up here or whatever was um, not the good side. But I think we have actually proven that our side is the good side <laughs> and their side is the shite side. So, yeah. I, you know, we're, we're obviously going to look at it soon, I'm sure, but there for the taking on Friday night, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, it's our first interstate trip of yes. the season as well, so it's going to be an interesting one. Um, I'm still umming and ahhing whether I pull pull a pin and get the credit card out and uh, and get down there on Friday. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think, yeah, definitely there for the taking. They've not been great. Mm. And, of course, the final match of the round after our uh, success down in Wollongong was Brisbane nil, Newcastle nil. Uh, of course, Brisbane dropping points. Absolutely fantastic for us, um, putting us four points clear atop the table. A loss and a draw in their last two and uh, seen us four points clear. You know, I just want to keep on saying that because it doesn't feel real. <laughs> four points clear, four points clear. Very good. And uh, it's, it's, I think, Newcastle whisper it uh, probably slowly on the improve, I think, for me. Mm. they've Now that they've... Locked in Craig Deans. They know they know the coaching future. Um, he can start to make some proper decisions. Decisions, um, and yeah, they're slowly starting to play kind of better. So hopefully next derby will be uh, will be interesting. And they'll manage to get their um, big return signing from the UK back into the team in time for us to um, drive him into the ground, if that's possible. <laughs> he uh, probably should have been in this game, I hear, but um, couldn't make it back from wherever it was. But um, he had to quarantine in Perth. Yep. Well, yeah, tough going, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we look forward to um, him coming back to uh, Central Coast Stadium. Yeah, can't wait to welcome him back here with... Closed arms. Are you saying like the, the Ziggy Gordon treatment is what you're saying, is it? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. Why not? Why not? Very entertaining. It is that time of the pod where we uh, take a look at some of the questions that you guys have submitted uh, across all the forms of social media, Insta, Facebook and Twitter, and of course sliding into any of our DMs or on the CCM Fans Forum as well. Thank you all so much for your interactions there. Um, We've got a lot this week, so massive apologies if we don't get to yours, Um, but we'll we'll try and get through as many of them as we can. Um, The first one that I'm crossing off the list is Dave Bloom. I'm not reading that, mate. Uh, (laughs) Wind your neck in. I love you dearly, mate. But uh, wow. Wow. Um, no, 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 no. Um, John McConaughey and Scott Beecham both ask, is it really true that you can't catch COVID sitting down? Um, that's the song. And if it's said in song, it's true. You Look, can't lie to people through song. Yes. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Um, Dean Payne is absolutely loving these winning pods and so are we Dean Dean asks what are your thoughts on Renya playing up front with the all-time leading goal scorer Matt Simon I personally think it's shown a different t- type or style of football uh, especially with his two quality assists that he has from dropping in between the lines and playing in Simo I'm really really liking him um, mm. some of his touches in and around the boxer class he's very good Back to goal, loves to drop deep 
uh, and pick up the ball once once the ball, which is I think is the most important thing. There was about ten minutes before he had the assist on the weekend. He dropped really deep into midfield to pick up the ball and turned and had nobody on him. So he's he's very smart, very smart footballer. Um, and I think once he bags a goal, we'll see them pretty consistently. I, and I, I think yeah. I don't think there's not an issue with him not scoring at the moment because he's got a couple of really good assists. Yeah. Um, potentially could have had two assists for Simo on the weekend as well. Um, so there's no issue for me right now that he's not scoring, but he'll keep on getting in those really dangerous positions, I think. Just before we go any further on that one, this actually ties nicely into Jamie Palmer's question, who um, would like a simple sort of out of 10 score for Ureña. I'll go seven. I would agree with that. I think a seven's probably a fair, fair, uh, fair rating so far. I'm going to fap and go eight because <laughs> it's tough to change countries. COVID, get locked up for two weeks. Stay fit, fit in a new team that probably has a culture like no team he's ever played in before. And uh, we touched on it before. It's he's looking good on the pitch and he's improving on the pitch, but he's also fitting into the culture there with that, you know, encouraging other players and and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm loving looking at this. I think something that we should mention is that he's he's proven he's unselfish. He's he's don't doesn't mind dropping deep, getting the ball, and setting up Simo. Like there was there was maybe these first couple of games where he was um, taking shots on when he probably could have passed it, but ever since you know probably the last two or three games. He's been really unselfish and has set up a few goals. And I think that once he gets one, he'll get more than a few. And uh, his young twins have their own Instagram. Yeah. And uh, saw a class finish on there today at uh, the football grounds. Yes. Uh, so they're clearly uh, clearly enjoying life on the coast. I think. How can you not? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna probably rate Urania seven point one based on or maybe seven point three actually based on his uh, last last couple of outings there. Johnny Needham. Uh, Johnny starts off with winning pod. Question for us. When was the last time we had three wins in a row? That's an easy one. It was at the start of this season uh, because we won our last game last season against Victory and then we won our first two games of this season. So um, twice, I guess you could say, so far this season, we've done three in a row. I have another question, though, based off that. When was the last time Matt Simon scored three games in a row? Has he ever? Oof. I have no idea. Maybe I, don't, I don't think he has. Back in the day? I don't think he has. Possibly. So, yeah, obviously he's, he's got well, three in a row. there's a reason why he's games. way better than Messi. I mean, we don't <laughs> ask the question as a joke. <laughs> no, it's, it's dead. And I mean, it's, it's pretty unanimous. I mean, Simo has, what, 58 goals for CCM? Yeah. Messi, zero goals for CCM. So yeah, it's pretty obvious. Right. Correct. The stats speak for themselves. Yep. Just further on Johnny's question, uh, he wants to talk about Jack Clisby. He mentioned that he is playing better on the field, but his set pieces are still a little bit frustrating. Wants to know if we can start calling him Pennywise, the, the dancing clown, because all his set pieces float. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I don't know about that. That feels, oh. that feels a bit harsh. Yeah. Oh, look, some uh, there have been a couple perhaps, but I've, I've actually seen some that I thought were like low and hard and swinging, and that's what you really want, some tail on them. And uh, so, yeah, maybe there's been one or two, but I, overall I think they've been pretty good. Yeah, I've, mm. I've been super critical of him both defensively and for his uh, his uh, set pieces so far this season, but I think both are improving. And I think, you know, sort of similar... Like on the weekend, Stefan Negro maybe didn't have the best game, but I thought Clisby played pretty well. I think his um, set pieces are, are improving between him and De Silva. Um, we're slowly starting to get them right. I if think. you can sort out those one in four crosses that are always too deep, 
yeah. and he can get four out of four in the right spot, then that'll be be perfect. Awesome. How dare you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got players queuing up for these, and this really oh, put, yeah. this really puts the keeper and the walls um, mind on other things. We set up a free kick outside the box. You've got Simon might blast one through you. You've got Bazanic might punch one into the far top corner. You've got mm. Pleasby who might be the um, choice. You've got um, De Silva who uh, might be the, the option there. So we're really putting doubt options. in some defenders' mind with those yeah. options now. Yeah, I think Clisby's definitely improved. You know, people are going to ride him because maybe he has had a, well, maybe he has had a couple of poor years, um, but he has improved out of sight this year. So, yeah, no fair. Lee Cooper. Uh, Sorry, wants- Lee, I howled you, <laughs> <laughs> but not twice. Um, Lee Cooper uh, wants to know how we think Stefan Jankovic is feeling uh, when he's not making the bench. He looked good when he came on five minutes at the end of uh, which game was that? Um, was that the first game? No, no, it was a little bit later in the no, season. It was the City? Three, three two three against two City, to Silver yeah. one, yeah, because he had the because he came on and had the shot yes. with a couple of minutes to go. Yes. Oh. So Lee goes on to ask, uh, "What do we think about uh, Stefan Jankovic's situation?" Uh, Sean Mellicamp has called him an experiment of of sort of bringing a younger player from overseas and and trying to. Uh, develop them over a couple of seasons. Um, it's also something that Ken Shembury mentioned the other week on Mariners TV that he is a long-term project. Um, so I think you know if he keeps working hard and and showing his talent, he will eventually get his shot. Yeah, I think Luke mentioned it briefly before, but he can't get into the team at the moment because we're pretty stacked in midfield. Yeah, big I think time. yeah, I think we'll see him eventually. I, you know, to be honest, obviously he wasn't on the bench um, on the weekend, but you know that might have been the perfect opportunity for him to maybe get some minutes in that sort of a game but you obviously don't know how the game's going to pan out before the game um but yeah he just can't get into the team and i think we did hear that his english wasn't great so you know maybe not that that has all the say but maybe it has a bit of the say for why maybe he's not getting some more minutes and he's 22 isn't he yeah Uh, so i mean young guy living on the other side of the world uh, Integral, I assume. Yeah, you know, it's different language. Probably enjoying life at the beach. Um, I'd imagine he'd be quite happy at the moment just to bide his time and keep working hard. And I think he'll get his definitely get his chance eventually in the uh, in the crazy draw. Didn't look out of place in the couple of minutes that he got in that city game. I reckon he, he you know, held his place well, and um, he's definitely enjoying himself here. I'm that fan who annoyingly tags the players and says good luck to him on game day, and so I actually exchange a couple of texts with him. And yes, he is enjoying being on the Central Coast and is happy to be here. So, so hopefully he does get a shot, and we get to see what he's got. I think obviously with all the fixture changes that. Um, uh are really you know happening uh, on a weekly basis at the moment so many postponements and things like that um, things are going to be pretty cluttered towards the back end of the season so I think uh, that's when we'll see you know players like Jankovic and, and maybe Dan Hall stepping up as well I think um, he's sort of in the same situation as sort of Ballard sort of fighting for those sort of um, infrequent sub appearances when uh, we need some fresh legs coming on so I think that Ballard obviously came on for that one game and he played pretty well and then obviously Jankovic is probably in that same boat so it's good to have so much depth that there's you know unfortunately there's going to be some players that are going to miss out on playing speaking of players who are missing out on playing as the president of the Dan Hall uh, for, uh, fans club uh, myself when was um, that vote <laughs> <laughs> I want to be president sounds like there's competition Co- co-president <laughs> okay. junior vice president <laughs> assistant <laughs> to the regional manager <laughs> 
have been binging that so hard. Um, assistant to the regional man. Hutto on the CCM Fans Forum would like a talking point. Uh, he mentions that obviously Stage has a game plan, but on Sunday after around the 60th minute, it sort of seemed like it's a perfect time to maybe blood Dan Hall um, with a bit more game time. 2-0 up against a tiring 10-man team that had, up until that point, maybe one shot on goal in the second half. If that's not a good time to blood him, then then when when do we? Uh, I mean, I'm not the coach, but if I was, I would have thrown him on for probably 15, uh, just yep. to give him some minutes. Um, as you said, uh, we are the co-presidents of the Dan Hall fan club, <laughs> as well as the Nisbet fan club and yeah. the Matty Simon fan club. Uh, a few others, uh, I think. Yeah, there's, there's a few fan clubs that we are the presidents of, um, but we all love Dan Hall. Dan Hall's quality for anyone that hasn't had a chance to watch him. Um, he'll get his minutes eventually. But, yeah, I think I would agree on the weekend uh, would have been the perfect opportunity. I think it's just unfortunate that Rolls and Tongik have been so solid that he mm. hasn't need, hasn't really been needed, to be honest. I, I would have... Would I have put him on in, instead of Miller? Uh, I probably would have if I was a coach, but I'm not the coach. So, Stadge obviously thought Miller needed some minutes and he hasn't really played a lot. So, um, he sort of... He, Miller came on and within, what, 30 seconds got a yellow card? which was unfortunate. <laughs> but, um, well, I yeah, think unfortunate for Dan that he's not going to get in in front of uh, Rolls and Tongi, who yeah. are both in super form. I think that's probably the probably the argument there that we could have maybe thrown Rolls out wide for the last 15 and uh, threw Dan Hall on in the middle with Ruan. But, you know, is it too experimental? I, know, s- I sort of agree, but our time at the top has been so short-lived so far. And, True. and yeah. we've got to remember that Rolls and uh, Tongik are not only are a, f- a new combination, but they're also so young, the pair of them themselves. Mm. So so I can understand Stadge really wanting to embed that partnership the way he is. Um, but yeah, I kind of think that, th- that it'd be good if we could find a way soon for him to get a bit part. We have seen him on the pitch, mm. but um, a little bit more. And he made more. a good little cameo as he well. He did. Yeah, he did. Nice. Yeah. Um, out of position, um, mind you, but but you know maybe that's the way that you have to find your way. We've seen that happen many times. We've talked about Wilco in the past who played out of position before we loved him in the middle and Trent Sainsbury did the same thing. So I think there's some scope there for Dan Hall to do the same thing if that's the way that we get him out there. And, and um, you know, if we're, if we're talking about um, whether or not Clisby is the man, then isn't, is there a way to make that the, the entry point to see how that goes? So I think mm. there probably is, hopefully soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got Matt Hatch waiting in the wings there for that um, for that left back spot as well, um, who is obviously putting pressure on Cliz. I think my, my thing about centre backs is I don't like changing them just for the sake of changing them. Um, so I think you're right. If if Dan is to get some more minutes while Rolsey and and, uh, and Ruan are fit and firing, um, it's probably going to have to be you know those sort of substitute minutes out at right back or or potentially left back. You're hitting the yeah. nail on the head, actually. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much, but um, a really great team that were champions of the EPL last year have played 16 different combinations in central defence recently, and they are absolutely rubbish. And that consistency... What's that again? Don't know. That consistency <laughs> is so important. I don't know that either, to be honest. Actually, if I'm honest, I don't really know. As an that. Arsenal fan, I can't say anything fan in this fan. The I wheels think, are falling you off You jumped off the wagon pretty quick. Cool. Oh. Hey, I d- did not jump off the wagon. Aaron Gaddy right here. <laughs> Oh, yeah. LFC socks on. Yeah. Hey, hey, they're yellow and they're Tuesday. So I, I did say that when we won the champion, we were, became the champions, I'd wear Liverpool every single day. There, I said their name. And uh, I, I am and I will. So no, no jumping off the bandwagon. But <laughs> back to the point, the consistency, you cannot compete in that 
you know with the consistency they haven't had mm. and and i think that's a really important thing that you get to there pete that that consistency has been everything to the solidity we've got in the defense there yep yep, yep. yep definitely um and bring on bring on dan hall anyway <laughs> Stash. can dan hall actually play as a left or right back i don't think i've ever seen him play in anything but as a center back yeah, I mean, he didn't really get any minutes there for Academy, but that's where he came on against Sydney for sort of four or five minutes and didn't really look out of place. Mm. Um, but like we said, we, you know, in years gone by, you saw Wilco play there, you saw Sainsbury play there when he was coming through as well. So um, that is, you know, from time to time, how centre-backs have to, I think he's got have the technical, to get their start. He's got the technical and, ability to be a And right going back. back to how centre-backs, you know, get their start, that's where Lewis Miller started for the first team as well. He's a natural centre-back. You know, and he's still not seeing any minutes at centre back, so it's going to be hard to break that partnership. But we'll see how it plays out for Dan. Um, play him. <laughs> Marty Rayner on Twitter wants to know from last year's squad who has appeared to have improved the most this season so far. I'd almost say De Silva. Would you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. probably a good shout after the last couple of games. Um, like maybe two weeks ago, I 100% would have said Ruan. Yeah. But yeah. looking at De Silva's consistency, uh, it's probably pretty even now, I think, between De Silva and Ruan. I think me. you can make a case for Kai Rolls in there as well. Stens, yeah. I was going to say, Stens, how do you... Like, the guy's leading the statistics for his position in about three or four different categories. He must love having Boz as a as a midfield partner because he he, he's, he's able to, you know, let Ollie deal with, you know, dropping back into centre-back and not having to do both jobs. So I think he's he's loving it and he's thriving in, in the role that he has. How about Nisbet? Yeah, he's always been quality, yeah. though. He has, we've all, we've he's always ste- known. He's stepped it up a gear, and mm. uh, he's just a machine. Oh. Everyone stepped it up a gear this season. Even Simo's yeah. gone up another gear. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, it was it was Sean who probably said on the podcast last week that, you know, Graham Arnold grabbed him in the headlock at Central Coast Stadium the other week and said, give him another year. He's got another year left in him sort of thing. So this is something we spoke about on the bus on the way home as well. Would you give him another year based on current form? Probably, yeah. Mm. I think it depends how well he plays for the rest of the season, to be honest. If he can keep it up, I think oh, yeah, maybe possibly another season. Well, but it's going to depend on him and how his body's feeling as yeah. well and everything like that. So, And if he's got the passion and desire to uh, play another year, which I think he probably will say that he does. But yeah, going back to Martin Rayner's question, of course, um, yeah, I think it's probably De Silva. <laughs> yeah. Fair. That's for me anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm with, I'm with DDS. Silver or Royal, yeah, I'll I can't decide it. between I'll the two. I'll go with it. Yep. Yep. Cool. Nice consensus. Um, AJ on Twitter, uh, with the team having so much depth this season, in what opinion is in your sorry, in your opinion, what is our best starting eleven using the current four four two system? I think maybe this is something that we will look to, you know, we we can compile uh, each of ours and maybe post them on the socials or something like that. I um, think he's almost got it pretty much spot on. But yeah, the way to be the, honest. Yeah, the, the list that he's got there is, is pretty good. Beerus, Stefan, Negro, um, Rolls and Tongi, Kim Clisby, you've got Silver, Stens, Bazanic, Nisbet, Urenya and Simon. I think, you know, that's that's probably pretty close I to think, what I got. I think with. the only thing you could maybe argue is that possibly Kowal to come in, but with the way Urenya and Simon are playing, you know, it's 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 hard not to uh hard not hard to break them up. So, you know, I think it's pretty much spot on, yep. Yeah, the only I think the only real question over that 11 for some people at the moment is do we start Yonota or do we start Nisbet? Nis, I, yeah, yeah. Nis. I, I mean, you, you need to give Yonota a bit more time. Right now it is Obviously, Nis. Nis is probably coming back from that knock but yep. showed real no signs of it uh, in in the 45 minutes that he had on the weekend. How he pulled up, I'm not sure, but I think that's the only real questionable starting spot at the moment. And yeah, for me, obviously we all love Nis, so there's a little bit of a bias there, but I think based on current form, I'd be going for Nis. 
He just came in, like when he came into the game, he just adjusted straight away and yeah. started playing really well. And then obviously, oh my God, that chance, you know, just half a yard to the other side, that hits the inside of the post and goes in. So that close and we're all going to celebrate very, very hard when he uh, gets <laughs> Falls his down the very goal. steep grandstand. I'm going, I'm going on a four-day bender when new scores. Seriously, <laughs> I, I can't wait. Bias or not, impact on the game. He's having it and yeah. you're not at his yet, so that's it. I think Niz is very, very close to that first goal because he's, he's shown so much from uh, in, in a creative standpoint. I think he's, he's due a goal and maybe he's, it's Adelaide away on Friday night. He's been very close quite a few times. If he scores at Adelaide away and I'm not there, I swear to I'm God. Gonna I'm going to be very, very sad. Very <laughs> sad for Mariner. <laughs> I mean, happy for Mariner and happy for Niz, but sad, sad for... Happy and sad for Mariner yeah. at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, so Niz, if you could just you know hold off till the next home game or the next away game that we can make, that would be sensational. Finally, Stephen Bolger on Twitter. Uh, he says he loves our work. No, Stephen, love your work, mate. Early days yet, I know, but how much of an effect will the winning culture and Stadge's credibility as a top manager have on the club's ability to sign top quality players? Um, do you think we'd get better quality players for less if they know they're joining a top team? I think that's a great point, for sure. Well, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it when we spoke to Stadge before last season? on the pod about and he mentioned again and again about the losing mentality that had crept into the club over the last four or five years and it was just stuck it was just ingrained and i don't know what they've done there's this, you know there's been a lot of talk around sort of the mental side of the game as well because we, we we obviously have quite a few of the same squad here that we did in the really hard times so Something's clearly changed, um, not only with the physical side of the game, but also the mental side of the game. So um, I think having a winning culture at a club is everything. Absolutely. Everything. I so think, I think he's brought that in. Yeah, so I think the answer is yes. That yes, um, he's going to be an attractant. The culture of the team's going to be an attractant. The success of the team's going to be an attractant. Um, the way the club's looking all over in terms of the organisation of the place and and um, how we're managing the future, how we've returned to our youth DNA, um, or um, or whatever Monty wanted to call it. Um, yeah, I think uh, yes. And look at the balance of the squad as well at the moment. You've got a few foreigners here that. Uh, get to come and live in probably the best place an A-League team is located. Fair. Nowhere else is better. Yes. Yeah, fair. Good luck getting a game, anyone who comes. Yeah, <laughs> and then also on the also on the other side of that, for good quality young players, they're obviously getting a really good chance. And you know, if there's any young Australians overseas like a Bowman that can't get a game, whether it's you know because of COVID or for any other reason, we are all of a sudden a very attractive proposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely more attractive than we have been for the last few years. Anyway, um, I, yeah, of course, any player wants to be part of a winning culture and a winning club. Um, so it would be, I guess, an additional sort of point that they could use to attract players, as you say. Mm. All levels, all the way down through the youth, we're winners. Yep. God, there is just so much positivity. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's oozing. The positivity in this room is stifling. Finally this week, uh, it is time to have a quick look at the ESPN or the Coast Football Ramble ESPN footy tips uh, competition. Leading the charge this week is Big Will 22. Uh, equal on points with M Best Atipi. 
Uh, <laughs> on 20 points there, first and second. Jono, Jake Rosa, ESPN fan, 147791326 are <laughs> uh, uh, on 19 points. And we've got Dave West Brom, uh, Murder on Zidane's floor, Josh Howe, yep. um, Matt Surabaya, and Ben 10 on 18 points apiece. It's uh, close. It's very close at the top. Then in 10th place, we've got uh, Hello Goodbye, or Pete Pryor, um, equal on points with Aaron Mariner. How dare you knock me out of the 10 <laughs> on goal difference? <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> You'll love to see it. We've got uh, Dave Bloom, or Patrick Nolan, as his alias is at the moment, in 12th. Tom Christenthal in 13th. Paul FC in 14th. And Mariner Marty, Marty Rayner in 15th. There. Uh, SGM climbing Defending back up the table. champion is yeah. making some moves. Yeah, yeah. He's only four points off the top, but he's still in 16th, so still uh, still a ways to go there. It's tight. Of course, our own Fred from the podcast there is in 21st as well. Only five points off the top, though. So make sure uh, you do get your tips in ahead of this week's round. Of course, there are no Tuesday or Wednesday games this week. They have both been postponed due to the current situation down in Victoria at the moment. But yeah, of course, I think we're, we're back on, on Friday, of course, with us taking on Adelaide. Looking forward to it. I can't wait. Wait. Us knocking over Adelaide. Easy three points, eh? <laughs> well, the boys. See, I don't want to jinx. I don't want to jinx it like that. We can, but the boys—they'll be looking at it as you know, next test. I, yeah, I don't think they're going to be getting ahead of themselves, as we touched on earlier. You know, it's their first interstate away trip. Um, we haven't we haven't played Adelaide at all this season. Of course, they'll be um, they'll be hurting after their four 0 loss over the weekend, um, and looking or feeling like they've got a point to prove anyway. So uh, we know, or the boys will hopefully know that they're going to be coming out, you know, strong and and you know, hoping to get a result in front of their home crowd. Absolutely. I think I think it's going to be a good test. Like Pete men- just mentioned before, first interstate away day. So, you know, how are we going to go when we're away from, I guess, New South Wales? Um, but I I don't know. I just I sort of feel confident we can do it. They rate their youth and uh, actually, come to think of it, I rate a couple of their youth as well. Mm. So, you know, it'll be a good test for our guys. But, um, you know, we're showing we can do this. So, yeah. Whoever's marking Touray has a big job. I think it's probably going to be Clisby. Because Toure plays on the right, so Clisby's uh, going to be marking Toure, and that's going to be an interesting battle for sure. And aren't the, both of the Toure's back around now too? Yes. So it's uh, yeah, that's going to get confusing. They're super inconsistent though for me. They right do now. appear that yeah. way. Super inconsistent. I mean, they're what they just come sixteen, to their age, and yeah. sixteen and eighteen or whatever. Yeah. So they're obviously very young, very raw, but yeah, uh, very very inconsistent, and they're getting a lot of hype. Maybe a bit too much for me. I think they're getting too much. They're, they're, they're getting much. the the lock and rose treatment. They're getting yeah. completely overhyped by Fox. Good players, no doubt about it. But um, they'll be incredible footballers. Don't get me wrong. But mm. yeah, brilliant right start now, to the season from the young one um, yeah. with a few goals there uh, in repeat. But yeah, it's that consistency amongst young players that is the goal that they all strive for. Yep. And our young players seem to be starting to show that. And uh, and at the same time, they haven't been. You're right. I'm very keen for the uh, Urania Simon. Versus Jakobsen Elsie, that's going to be a good battle. Um, mm. Battle because yep. I I don't rate Elsie that much, but he's a bit of a mongrel, I guess you could probably call it. And yep. similar to Jakobsen, who, who I think he's half the player that he was as when he was at um, City. I think he's fallen way off. So it'll be interesting to see uh, those four all compete. Looks like a hard night for them to me. Yeah. It'll be tough. I mean, you know, obviously Stefan Moore could be looking to to, um, put some positive things in his diary, I guess, after this one. (laughs) Dear diary, Uh, (laughs) Matty Simon kicked the shit out of me for 90 minutes. Please save me. And we lost again. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but uh, it will be a big test, but I can't wait. 
Shout out to everyone who's traveling. It's funny have to look at have a good time because Adelaide's are awesome. It's kind of funny looking forward to games these days, isn't it? It's, yeah, it is. It's a nice it feeling. It's a nice feeling. Uh, All that thought that going to an away day and you have a really good chance to win it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think you know that's a nice positive note to leave things on this week, isn't it? The yeah. positive football ramble. <laughs> That's my it. voice uh, finally, well, not finally, has been giving out all all, all pod apologies for um, the croakiness or the You actually sound good or, right now. Yeah, you yeah. sound fine. It's gotten better. I'm going to have to go down to Wollongong and <laughs> scream every week. It's improved with yeah. all of the positivity. Yeah, the positivity is, is feeding my throat. Yes. And, uh, oh, look at that. There's some clarity all of a sudden in my voice. Um, no, thank you all so much once again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Coast Football Ramble podcast. It's been another positive one. It's been a lot of fun and uh, can't wait uh, to see us go around on Friday night. That'll be about it from us. And, uh, well, we love you. See ya. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Fucking. <laughs> You're Fucking kidding. Hell. You're ten kidding. Seconds. Wasn't even 10 seconds. Put that, Five at, put seconds. that, put that at the end, please. I've got a fucking Fuck limited, a very limited amount of voice today. <laughs> There's only so many words that. I can actually get out. Oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> Incredible. You're on a, that's a hat trick. That is a hat trick. Three to row. Oh. Here we go. Three to row. All right. Let's try again. Hello and welcome to the Coast Football. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it now. Football. <laughs> Third time's a charm. <laughs>